right. Hello, everyone. My name is Katie Bortz. If you don't already know me, um, I've been in your class this semester, but I've also been doing some honors contract work with Dr. Olson. Um, I'm a women's leadership and political science double major. I'm a sophomore. And so I've been doing research with Dr. Olson about something that really intrigues me, conservative women and getting really into the topic of why they vote the way they do um, and the influences on them. So the common trope today in the media is that when there are women involved in politics, it's women that are um, the left-wing feminist movement fighting for equal pay, uh, reproductive rights, justice for survivors of sexual assault. But what I really wanna know is where are the conservative women in this conversation? And so this first image that I have um, with the title, what's up with conservative women, uh, you can kind of see that there, there really are two separate uh, sides of women in politics today. You have those that are fighting um, keep abortion safe and legal and you have those that are part of the pro-life generation. And so and this image um, I'm really happy with because it really portrays how divided women can be, but also there are areas where women do come together um, and women do vote differently than men. So with with that going forward, um, one of the main things that I looked at, particularly leading up to the 2020 election and before that was Tea Party women. So two of the things I found most essential to understand uh, the this conservative women, this group, which makes up about 42% of women voters according to uh, exit polls released by the New York Times. Two essential things to know are about the gender gap and the God gap. So typically the gender gap in politics uh, refers to, I'm gonna go ahead and stop sharing just cause you guys don't need to see that. Um, so typically the gender gap refers to the trend of women being more likely to vote for democratic candidates rather than Republican candidates. However, um, the point that Tiffany Barnes and Aaron Cassese make in their article in Political Science Quarterly that was published in 2017 suggests there's a deeper divide in women that tends to be overlooked. In other words, there's a gender gap within political parties. For example, within the Republican Party, women are more moderate than their male counterparts on issues that aren't solely women's issues. They include war, gun control, and education. This suggests that as the author put it, as the authors put it, quote, women's shared experiences likely have political consequences that cut across party. So this means that women often vote as a group despite identifying with two different political parties. An example of this can be found in the 2020 presidential election. So 59% of women voters shared that they were motivated in their voting by the importance of COVID-19. So 57% of women voted for Biden, but 59% were motivated by COVID, meaning that there had to be women that voted um, on both sides of the aisle here, and even potentially some, some independents or third parties um, that came together on this issue to place high importance on the impact of coronavirus, compared to only 51% of males expressing the same level of concern regarding the pandemic. So the question remains as to why can women come together despite party lines to see coronavirus as an issue? And men don't see it quite the same way. So this most likely stems from the fact that women play the role of caregiver in the home, meaning coronavirus is more directly impacting them as they care for the sick children. They're the ones learning how to order groceries online for the first time. Um, Coronavirus is having online school, so they're helping children with that online learning. So the gender gap goes deeper 
into parties in another way too. Conservative women are heavily involved in the Tea Party rather than the Republican Party. Melissa Deckman shares in her book titled Tea Party Women that conservative women had a hard time finding their place in the Republican Party due to the hierarchy-based structure of the party as we discussed in class earlier this semester. The Democratic Party is a little looser. The structure is looser. There's that mosaic of interest that we've been talking about this semester. And women have had an easier time being able to get involved in the Democratic Party. And so you see those high level leaders like we now have Kamala Harris being the vice president um, and Nancy Pelosi as the Speaker of the House. So you can see where it's been easier, not easier, it's been more achievable uh, in the Democratic Party for women to be able to rise to these leadership positions. Whereas in the Republican Party, that hierarchy has made it more challenging for newcomers, as most women now are, um, getting involved into politics. So they tend to go towards the Tea Party, where the structure is a little less hierarchy based. It's a newer party, um, and they can get more easily involved into leadership positions. So these women are often working in roles in the Tea Party rather than the Republican Party. And like, this may not seem like a big deal, but this is leading them to be holding very few elected offices in our winner-takes-all system. And since, as mentioned earlier, these women have distinctly different views on many topics than their Republican male counterparts um, that represent them, conservative women have become a population that is largely unheard until a presidential election. Their stances on issues are not brought forth by elected officials, blocking them from political representation. So you can see how there's a problem here. Additionally, Deckman and Cassese come together in 2019 to research and write about how gender nationalism played a role in the 2016 presidential election. They found that gender nationalism can be a strong signal of voting behavior, perhaps even stronger than an individual sex. So I know that sounds really complicated, but in other words, one's views about gender uh, and gender nationalism, meaning how they think about gender and elected officials and the role of men and women in different areas of the nation and different areas of politics. Um, so someone's views on that can tell us more about their voting behavior than their own biological sex. This can particularly explain why women defied the tradition, particularly white women, uh, defied the tradition and voted against one of their own in 2016. Typically, individuals vote for candidates that look like them. For example, white men tend to vote for white men. Uh, racial minorities tend to support candidates that look like them. It, it makes sense. Someone who has shared your life experience, perhaps your background, seems like they would be the better fit to represent you in government and represent your own interests. This is not true, however, for white women. In 2016, 45% of white women voted for Clinton and 47%, 2% more, voted for Trump. How do we explain that? Well, if you look back to Deckman and Cassese's analysis in 2019, it suggests that even women hold traditional views that men are better suited for elective office and are held to a different standard. This is particularly true in white evangelical Christian women. So this brings me to the God gap. So Aaron Cassese in 2019 wrote an article explaining the gender gap and the God gap. So we've already discussed the gender gap, so let's go to the God gap. So in the article, she explains how complementarianism impacts how women voters view the actions of male and female candidates differently. 
Complementarianism, I know it's a big word, um, as Cassese describes, is, quote, an approach to gender relations in which men and women have distinct but complementary complementary <laughs> roles stemming from the created order. So yeah, the created order there is a reference to the Christian faith um, and how in the Christian faith, God first created man and then woman. Um, so in this relationship that stems largely from the Christian faith, men are the powerful leaders charged with protection and management. While women are nurturing, reassuring, they're the caregivers and they care for the children. We saw this come to play, particularly in the 2016 presidential election, seeing as it was the first time we had a woman running as one of the major two parties nominee and a male running for the other party. So we really got to get a good look at how voters are, are processing and seeing and maybe some of their gender biases coming out and how they think about gender roles and maybe and what we, we genuinely saw is that women and men are not held to the same standard, even in the public eye, even in the year 2016 and to this day in 2020. Um, Clinton's involvement as a woman in one of the highest offices of the United States as Secretary of State to Obama and now attempting to seek the highest office was more challenging for evangelical Christian women to accept than Trump, a man, using derogatory terms toward women um, as I'm sure we're all aware of the famous clip and having extramarital affairs. You can see that in both instances, there's a violation of Christian morals. Um, so in the first being that the women are supposed to be not all, this is evangelical Christian, um, Christian morals in that women are supposed to stay at home and they're the caregivers and they need to be there for their children and their families and their spouses. Um, and then you can also see the issue here with, with current President Trump uh, with the Christian faith being that he's having extramarital affairs and that's pretty widely known. So both are violating certain aspects of this evangelical Christian mindset. And yet um, women judged a woman harsher in this situation. So the structure of complementarianism really boils down to this. Evangelical Christians, particularly women, as they are more religious in general than men, that has been shown, um, hold the sexes to a double standard. This can particularly explain why white women did not support Hillary Clinton, even though she shares two of their most identifiable demographics, race and gender. So I wanna take a look at um, a little bit of data so I'm going to share this again. Okay, so if we look here. The question, this is exit polls that were published in the New York Times for the 2020 presidential election. So are you a white evangelical or white born again Christian? So of the 28% of voters that said that, yes, they were white evangelical or white born again Christian, 76% voted for Donald Trump. As you can see, there's a clear God gap here, right? Um, and then if we look here, what is your gender and racial or ethnic heritage? This is where I think it's most fascinating when you're looking at the lines of politics and gender uh, in the sense, and this is why I picked out white women as the area that I really wanted to focus on this semester, because if you see, so white women um, voted for Trump. This is 2020 election. And this, again, the source of this is the New York Times um, publication of exit polls. Black women voted overwhelmingly for Biden. Latino women voted overwhelmingly for Biden. 
white women were the only category of women that did not vote overwhelmingly for Biden. So the question is there, what makes, what about their race and what about their background and what about these women makes them different than black women, Latino women, um, most women of color? What is changing? What is impacting them? And so that's really where I found um, this data to be particularly helpful. Um, as you can see, it's white evangelical or white born again Christian. Um, so you're looking at the that how religion is kind of cross pressuring gender um, and political affiliation. So I hope you all got something out of that. Um, I would love to hear your thoughts and feedback and questions and just really keep this conversation going. Um, I'd like to emphasize again that as Dr. Olson always says, the number one rule of political science, it depends. Um, none of this is hard, uh, hard fact in the sense that there are people that fall outside of this spectrum. There are people that for different reasons vote the way that they do. This is just a generalization of some research that I've been doing this semester. And I hope you all learned something and have a safe holiday season. Um, and maybe we can see each other in person in the spring semester. Thank you so much.